year or two ago, I mowed the church. Or not, I didn't mow the church. I mowed the yard. Let me start again. A year or two ago, I mowed the yard on Sunday. Now, I try never to do stuff like that, but I did this this time. I don't remember what what was going on. I hadn't been able to do it on uh, that week before. and I don't remember what exactly was uh, the, were the extenuating circumstances, but the whole time I did it, I felt kind of guilty. And part of the reason I felt guilty is I try never to do just laborious physical labor on the Lord's Day. But part of the reason I felt guilty is because I just knew as I was out there on the mower, because we have a big yard and you can't get it done quickly, I just knew somebody was going to drive by and see me out there on the mower. Maybe it's going to be one of the church members. Maybe it's going to be somebody that doesn't go to church here. But they're going to go by and they're going to see the preacher mowing the yard on Sunday and, and get offended, have something against me, have something against church, have something against Christianity, because I was doing that. And I know even as I say it, it sounds almost silly, but I've been around people long enough to know that that would be enough to upset some people. And in fact, maybe maybe one of you guys is upset now that you learned that I did that. It's not my intention ever to upset anybody, but you know, um, it, it seems like there's always a, a hesitation with Christians. When it comes to the Sabbath, when it comes to the Lord's Day, it seems like we always have some mixed feelings about it, doesn't it? Um, it, it? It seems like, well, should we be... What's this whole deal with the Sabbath? And the Sunday, are they the same? Are we meeting on the wrong day? Um, is it okay to do work? If it is, what kind? How much? How's it all pan out? So what I'd like to do is I'd like to look with you at the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 23. And we're going to read two related accounts. Now, Mark's Gospel, for some reason, whenever they put the chapters and verses in, they split chapters 2 and 3 right between these two stories. But they go together in all the other Gospels that record this, these incidents. They're in the same chapter. I don't know why they split it up. But anyway, we're going to look at two different accounts uh, where a Sabbath scandal is involved. And it's not just a scandal. Jesus and his disciples actually create these scandals. And it's my hope that as we look at these and as we reference other passages of Scripture in the New Testament, we'll hopefully see what the Bible teaches us about God's intention for believers today. Now, um, I will tell you that this is one of those sermons that, um, you know, you may come to different conclusions than me, and that's okay. Uh, I've, I've said for a long time that uh, people can disagree without being disagreeable. And you can, you can have different opinions about some of these secondary issues uh, without, being, without being hateful. So, uh, won't you stand with me if you have Mark chapter 2, fam? And we're going to start reading in verse 23, and we're going to read down through... Chapter 3 and verse 6. Just a few verses. Uh, verse 23 says, And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, I just want to pause for a moment. Jesus is not the one that's picking the grain. Notice that it's the disciples that are doing it, but they come after Jesus because in that day and time, the rabbis, if they had disciples, if they had followers, they would often be the ones who would stand up for their disciples' behavior. Okay, so that's why they're doing that. They're going after Jesus because of what his followers are doing. Verse 25, And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need? And he and his companions became hungry. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, 
and he also gave to those who were with him. Jesus said to him, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, stretched it out and his hand, became, uh, his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Now, in chapter 2, the scene uh, opens up easily enough. We've got Jesus going from point A to point B along with his disciples. They're going from point A to point B on the Sabbath. Now, they didn't have roads like we have today, and so they, didn't, uh, they weren't taking a car. They weren't taking a bus. They weren't taking uh, a donkey. They weren't doing any of that. They were walking. And, of course, back then, uh, you know how if you look out in the pasture, you can see where the cows go because there's, there's a trail, kind of like a foot trail. Well, that's what they had back then. There were places that people tended to go, and, and it would pack the dirt down, so it became basically a foot trail. And so they're making their way along the, these foot trails, and they're right by, or even through, fields of grain. Now, if you're reading the King James, it actually says corn, and uh, the word that's translated there in the Greek is just means grain. It's not, they're not eating corn on the cob. Okay? It's, it's probably wheat that they're, uh, that they're picking. But I want to point out just a couple things and... and and address some things that stand out in the passage to me. Why were the disciples doing this? Well, we know they're not doing it because they're picking the grain to sell and make some money. They're not doing it to steal from the person. Other gospel writers record they did it because they were hungry. They had a legitimate need, and they were meeting that need even though it was on the Sabbath. But does it seem weird to you that these disciples are picking grain that's not theirs? Now, to us, this is a foreign idea. One time, um, you know, we have a garden out here, and, and we never have a lot of stuff, but we like to plant tomatoes and different stuff like that. And one year, we were gone on vacation, I think it was, and we were gone for several days, and while we were gone, a bunch of tomatoes ripened. And we had some, some folks go over to our house while we were gone and pick the tomatoes and take them home. Now, at first, it's kind of like, man, those are our tomatoes. I'm, we weren't there, but it's still kind of like, that's mine. Now, to us, you know, we would see a field and we'd be like, you've got no business taking my grain. But back then, this was a common practice. Uh, in the Old Testament law, the, 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 uh, the law that God gave said, farmers, when you harvest your grain, when you harvest your field, just leave the corners with grain in them. And that way, if there are poor people in the land or if they're, you know, feeble or something like that, they can't work. They can go and they can get the grain. You're still helping them out. They still have to put forth some effort. That's just my commentary on it. But they still get, they still get the food. Also, they, the, the law said, if you are going and you're just walking along, even if you're not poor, you can pick this grain so long as you don't put a, a sickle in it to harvest. Okay, so to us, it's a foreign idea. To them, it was common. Now, the, the Pharisees got on to Jesus because what the disciples were doing, not because they were picking the grain per se, but because they were doing it on the Sabbath. Now, it is possible the Pharisees just happened to be at the right place at the right time to see these disciples 
on the Sabbath in a grain field. But I think more likely than not, they were just following him around, trying to find something to pick at Jesus about. And so they complained to Jesus what the disciples were doing. And if you'll notice, look at what it says um, on, uh, in verse 24. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing something? Uh, doing some. I can't read what they said. <laughs> Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? They say it's not lawful. What law are they talking about? You ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Because what does God say? In the Ten Commandments, God says, Remember the Sabbath day? Keep it holy. Don't do any labor on that day. And so they say, Look, they're working. They are laboring on the Sabbath. That's breaking the law of God. Now, the question naturally arises. God says, don't do work on the Sabbath. The question is, what constitutes work? Because God doesn't define it. He doesn't say, you can do this, but not this. He doesn't do any of that. So the rabbis, in an effort to keep the Sabbath holy, they sit down they said, we're going to figure out what God means when he says, don't do work. And I can imagine if, uh, if me and Adam were sitting down, and we're trying to figure something else, something out. Adam would say, well, I think it's this. And I'd say, yeah, but what about this? And i present a hypothetical situation to him. And he'd say, well, I see that point, so maybe we'll adjust it this way. And then he says something hypothetical, and we just adjust our points back and forth, back and forth. I imagine that's what the, the rabbis kind of went through because they came up with minute details about what things were work and what were not. So here are the types of things that they were, that they were teaching as law when Jesus was around. If it was the Sabbath, they said, you couldn't carry a load. So the question is, what is a load? They said, anything heavier than a dried fig, you can't carry that on the Sabbath. That's why one time uh, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath who, who was on a pallet, on kind of like a little bed. And the man took up the bed, and they said, you shouldn't be carrying a pallet on, on the Sabbath? Who told you to do that? Okay, that, that was the rule. They said you can't carry anything heavier than a dried fig. You couldn't travel more than, I think it was like 3,000 feet, about half a mile from your home. Women, on the Sabbath, you could not look in a mirror. That, that would be work. Why? And I hate to look at anybody, so, I'm just, so you don't think I'm singling you out. Because if you looked in a mirror, you might see a gray hair and pluck it out. That would be work. Another rule they had was, and this is, this is crazy, you could spit on a rock but not on the ground. On the Sabbath, you could spit on a rock but not on the ground. What is the, def what, what is the reasoning behind that? Well, if you spit on a rock, it's just a wet rock. You spit on the ground, the saliva mixes with the dirt. That becomes mud. Mud is useless mortar. Work. So these are the kind of tedious rules that they were teaching, and they said you have to do these things to observe the Sabbath. So all this joy, all this rest that came with the Sabbath was had all that just sucked out of it because people were like, I, don't, I can't do anything for, for fear of breaking one of these rules. So these, these Pharisees said, listen, Jesus, your disciples are doing what's not lawful because we've defined what work is and they're doing what work is. Now, Jesus, in his response, you'll notice he doesn't enter in, um, in verse 25, he doesn't enter into any kind of controversy with them. He doesn't uh, have an exchange about technicalities. He says, hey, now, you guys pride yourself on knowing the law, on knowing the Old Testament. Don't you remember that one story about David? Now, if it's us, we say, no, refresh my memory. 
because we don't know the, the Old Testament like they did. It's, it's 1 Samuel 21. And what happened? You, you all remember the story of David and Jonathan, how good of friends they were. You remember that story where uh, Saul was wanting to kill David. Saul was the king and Jonathan's father, and he wanted to kill David because David uh, was getting all these victories. Everybody was loving him, and Saul was kind of like a nut job. And so um, he was wanting to kill David. And so Jonathan and David came up with a plan, and, and Jonathan... Uh, shot arrows out into the field. You remember that, and used that as a way to communicate with David if he should stay or if he should go because David, uh, Saul wanted to kill him. So anyway, Jonathan used that to communicate with David. You need to flee because Saul wants to kill you. David took off. He went for a few days without any food, and he went to a place called Nob. Now Nob is where the tabernacle was, and he meets up with the priest and he says, "Hey, I need some food. <coughs> you have anything for me?" It was probably on the Sabbath day. And the priest said, Well, you know, Dave, the only thing that we have here is the consecrated bread, the showbread. And the showbread, what they did is they baked ten loaves of bread every Sabbath, and they put them out on a golden uh, table in the tabernacle. And after they were out for a week, they'd take them off the, uh, the table, put new, tw- new bread out, and then the priest could eat the old bread. So... The law said only the priests could eat that bread. David ate the bread. David was not a priest. And so, now it almost doesn't make sense, does it? These guys say, look, your, your disciples are doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, don't you remember what David did? Probably on the Sabbath. What's the connection? How does that answer their objection? What he's saying is, well, first, what he's not saying is it's not okay just to go out and break God's laws. He's not saying that. He, he's not just giving us a, a, a rule that says anytime you're hungry, you can just disregard what God says. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that we need to have some discernment and compassion when we apply the quote-unquote rules because real people are more important than rules and technicalities because keeping men from starving to death is more important than only a priest eating a loaf of bread. Rules are important, are important, but as Stedman said, rules are orderly ways to meet needs. So there's this lesson in here, and, and the Pharisees had not learned the lesson. So Jesus uses this story from 1 Samuel 21, and he, he draws a conclusion from it. And here's his conclusion. He says in, um, in verse 27, Sabbath, or, yeah, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other, way, in other words, the day is to serve and benefit man, not the other way around. Because why was the Sabbath instituted? Well, God in, in the creation, he, he worked for six days, created everything on the seventh day, he rested. The Bible actually says he was refreshed, which is an interesting uh, way to speak. But the Sabbath was given to man as a gift. It was supposed to be a time of rest, of relaxation, time of religion where people would focus on God. And it's like Jesus is saying that if you understand the Sabbath to be way up here and elevate it so much that it actually hurts man, that it actually is not for their benefit, you have missed the spirit of the law. And so Jesus takes this a step further then in, in verse 27, and he applies that principle. And he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's, that is an, essentially a claim of being God. 
Because who can change something that has been set by divine command? Only God. Only someone who's divine. And Jesus did that. He's saying the Sabbath is, is given to man as a gift. I am going to make a change to that. I, I have a right to change it. And because I told my disciples it was okay, that means it's okay for them to pluck grain on the Sabbath. Now, that's a big claim. So what does this teach us about the Sabbath? Well, this teaches us the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for our benefit. It's not for us to benefit it in some way. And second, Jesus has the authority, has the right to change the Sabbath if he so desires. Okay, so let's move on to chapter 3. And what I'm, what I'm going to try to do, and, and I know this may seem kind of disconnected, it's kind of like dumping the pieces of a puzzle out on the table. And I just want to get the pieces out on the table and then hopefully kind of put them together. Okay? So, then chapter 3, six verses, the confrontation builds on the last one. The Pharisees want to know, is Jesus going to heal this man with a withered hand? Now, the wording that's used makes it clear that, that his hand was withered. It was kind of paralyzed, probably shrunk a little bit from disease or injury. It wasn't from, uh, from a birth defect. And they do this to trap him. Maybe he was planted there. They wanted to set him up. I don't know. But they asked Jesus, and we see this in another gospel account, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, in their minds, they say no, because healing is work, and work is a no-no. In fact, they said, you could have medical attention given to you so long as it didn't make you better. It could just keep you from getting worse. So let's say that um, Olivia is standing by a wall, and the wall falls on her. They said it was okay to, to move the rubble to see if Olivia was in there, if she was still alive. And if she was alive, you could keep her from dying. Uh, but if she was dead, you'd have to leave her body until the next day. Okay? Or let's say that, um, let's say that John's playing uh, baseball, and he sprains his ankle. You could pour cold water on it, but you couldn't do anything to make it better. Um, you, if you cut your finger, you could bandage it with a plain bandage, but not put ointment on it. You could stop it from getting worse, but you couldn't make it better. So they said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And look at what Jesus, how Jesus responds in verse 3. He says, get up and come forward. He wants everybody to see what he's getting ready to do. And here's the kicker. Their legalism and their hatred caused them to break the Sabbath, which is what they were trying to get him to break. Because what did he say? He said, is it lawful to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to... To, to make alive or to kill on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? Now, think. They're harboring malice and hatred in their hearts. They're, they're, they've already killed them in their hearts. They're going to later plan on doing it. They're going to uh, commit murder, or they're, they're going to plan on committing murder on the Sabbath. Here's Jesus saying, I'm here to help a man, and you want to harm me. You want to kill me. On top of that, is it lawful to do good? on the Sabbath? Well, yeah. It's lawful to do good anyway. Is it lawful to do harm on the Sabbath? No, it's not lawful to do harm any day of the week. And, and that's what Jesus is, uh, is saying to him. And, and I love how they... I love what he does in verse 5. He says, he looks around, he gets mad at him, and he's grieved in heart. He's sad at, at how hard their hearts were because they had elevated the Sabbath over this man. And he says to the man, stretch out your hand. 
He didn't do. He didn't touch the man's hand. He didn't say anything to it. He didn't wave his hands over. Didn't put anything on him. He just said, "Stretch out your hand." The man put out his hand. That's not work. What he did wasn't work. What the what the man who was healed did wasn't work. The man was healed. This action showed how much they hated Jesus. But that's not the point of what we're what we're talking about. What does this tell us about the Sabbath? Okay, let's bring it all together. The first thing that we need to realize about the Sabbath is what Jesus told us in that first account. The first thing we need to realize is the Sabbath is not as absolutely binding as the Jews tried to make it. That's very basic. There were accounts in history from militaries that came against the Jews, and they did on the Sabbath because the Jews wouldn't fight back. They wouldn't even defend themselves on the Sabbath. So that's, that was an easy time to attack them. And so Sabbath, Jesus said, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But beyond that, the Bible teaches the Sabbath has been replaced. The Sabbath has been replaced. Now you might be thinking to yourself, Now, Pastor, I've been in church a long time, and I've read my Bible through, um, at least mostly, and I don't remember seeing that. Where's the chapter and verse that says it's been replaced? Well, consider this. The Sabbath is part of the ceremonial law. Are we under the ceremonial law? No, otherwise we have goats and turtle doves and bulls and everything else we're sacrificing. You say, but pastor, it's part of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. All the other nine are moral. That one is the only one that's ceremonial. Listen to this. And if you write, um, if you take notes or if you write down in your Bible, you might make a note of this. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And listen to how the Bible, the New Testament teaches us that the Sabbath is but a shadow. He says in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In other words, the Sabbath is an Old Testament picture of the coming Christ. Hebrews 4, verses 4 to 9, there's a lot of stuff in here, but I want you to focus both at the beginning and the end. For he, he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rests on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, talking about uh, the children of, of Israel, he again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. And here's the key. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now what is that telling us? It tells us that the Sabbath is a picture of the rest that we find in Christ. What well, so Jesus said, come, all, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? I'll give you rest. It's a shadow. Christ is the substance. Beyond that, we now celebrate the Lord's Day. The Sabbath is not the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is not the Sabbath. When is the Sabbath? Friday evening, about halfway through Saturday. When's the Lord's Day? It's today. It's Sunday. The Sabbath was rooted in creation. The Lord's Day is rooted in the new creation. The Lord's Day celebrated the rest that God took after He created the world. The Lord's Day commemorates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You just look at the early church. What did they do? They switched from celebrating on the Sabbath to the Lord's Day. 
On top of that, in the New Testament, never are we commanded to celebrate the Sabbath. Not once. Now, the rest of the, the Ten Commandments, all the apostles and Jesus himself taught, do these things. They emphasized them, they restated them, but not the Sabbath. Because, again, it's part of the ceremonial law. In fact, the Sabbath, according to Paul in Romans 14, is a matter of conscience. Listen to what it says in Romans 14:5. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, you're going to have to make up your own mind about it. Said another way, whatever decision you come to about the Sabbath, be convinced of it. And as he goes on to say in verse 22 of the same chapter, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. So let's say that, that Jason has one view of the Sabbath, Dana has another. They shouldn't be bickering and arguing about things. It's a matter of conscience. So what shall we say? Shall, shall, shall we work seven days a week? Shall we work all the time and never think about God? No, of course not. God appointed a day of rest in creation because it's important. It's common sense. You cannot work seven days a week for an extended period of time with no rest. You can't do it. You're going to burn out. And of course there needs to be a day of rest to restore, but also to reflect on God. When is it a good time to do that? Well, the Lord's Day. What, what, did, what does uh, Hebrews 10 say? It says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. Even in the early church, there are people who decide, you know, we don't need to go to church today. And there are people even today who do that. The Lord's Day is important. Having a day of rest is smart, and it's needed, especially at the pace that our lives go. So I'm going to challenge you, and I always try to put some kind of a challenge into the sermon. This is a challenge I think everybody will like. Have a day of rest this week. I figured I'd get an amen out of that or hallelujah or something. Have a day of rest this week. But listen, if you are legalistic about it, you'll fall into the same tra trap as the Pharisees. They miss the point of the command. It's, it's not the words being slaved by these ceremonial observances. That misses the spirit of what the, the Sabbath was given for. God said, have a day of rest. Enjoy it. Rest and refresh. And so this week, I challenge you to have a day of rest. Say, well, Pastor, I can't do it today. I've got this to go to and that to go to, and I've got this coming up, and I can't do it today. Well, you know, Sunday's not a real restful day for me either. Have one this week sometime. Each week, one day out of seven, try to make that part of your routine to have a day of rest, but not just to rest and, and be lazy. Also consider the things of God. 